This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. The cops are taking a break down at the coffee shop, cause all was peace and quiet out on the city block. Me and Marie are laughing and we cannot stop. Summertime is here. The old man in the white pants is waxing his Cadillac. Well, sulking little Sally wants her boyfriend's back. But the boys are laying their pennies flat on the railroad tracks. Summertime is here. And Mrs. Lee is sipping iced tea beneath the willow tree. Well, the kid on the clarinet is struggling with the melody. The smell of a backyard barbecue sparks memories. Summertime is here. Hey, wait for me, wait for me by the sea. Time hurries by and you can't buy memories. And as we're walking, we take a detour to the ice cream shop. With a coach of the little he goes and buys the whole team pops. The air is dry, the ice cream's cool, the sun is hot. Summertime is here. says, can I kiss you? She says, you don't need to ask. In the blink of an eye, you'll try, but there's no turning back. Summertime is here. Summertime is here. Summertime is here. That was Chris Trapper with Summertime is Here. No, folks, this is not a replay of an earlier show at the beginning of summer. Oh, no, you know me. I am just a little, you know, grumpy when it comes to people telling us, and yes, that is a helicopter flying overhead, that, you know, it's done. Summer's done. It's done. It's Labor Day weekend. It's done. It's, it's not done, people. People, get a grip. Get a fucking grip. It's not done. Summer is done on September 21st most years, sometimes the 22nd. It depends on the wobbliness of the planets. I don't, you know, control these things. The wobbliness of the planets do. So know that we have three more weeks of summer. 
I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. They're telling you, they're telling you different things. They're telling you that, uh, you know, the kids are going back to school and there's sales of some sort with the word Labor Day attached to it. And, and, and we're all supposed to put our white belts and shoes away, I guess. I don't know. I don't go by that anymore. Does anybody go by that anymore? Someone does on the Hamptons. You just know it. There's a woman in the Hamptons who is like a fashion closet Nazi. I mean, she's not like a closeted Nazi. She's just a fashion. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, so just know it's, 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 it's still here. It's still here. And it is Labor Day this weekend. I mean, we do have to acknowledge that it is Labor Day. And uh, here's the funny thing about Labor Day. So, you know, we do all the barbecue things and, you know, it's kind of the last big party of summer type of thing. But it's, it's so funny where it, it it started as in the late 1800s, uh, like the 1890s, it started as a day actually – that um Congress used to placate the unionists uh after deaths of many um Pullman train strikers uh from by the hands of US marshals and US military there was a there was a big uh, a, a huge i guess rioting and uh protesting strike uh the Pullman people uh all were striking and uh i guess the the government was a little heavy-handed and uh, killed some people. So to placate the unionists, they gave us a national holiday off one day a year. And they didn't want to do it around the, the normal May Day Workers' Day thing because, you know, that's too much like communists and we wouldn't want to do that, you know. So the industrialists gave us this one day. So um, while you're putting uh, that uh, lovely hot dog or hamburger on the barbecue – uh, do it in honor of the the people that came before us who fought for labor rights, because that's really what this weekend is about. People died to actually have things like minimum wage and five-day work weeks and no more child children working in factories. And Oh, but that'll all change because, you know, the economy is going bad and we're just going to all have to sacrifice. Well, not not everyone. I mean – you know, 99% of us are going to have to sacrifice, but you know, those other 1% will be in San Francisco Bay racing their yachts next week, I do believe. Although I have to say those yachts are pretty fucking cool. If you haven't seen one yet, it's pretty amazing. And, and look, look, I'm not in denial about the whole summer ending thing. I get it. Summer is ending. I see the little bit of yellow on the edges of some of the green leaves on my coral tree out here. I see the wisteria's little pods coming out going, okay, it's, you know, and God, the map, the maple, the Japanese maple, it does, it looks pretty sad. So I see the signs. I notice at, you know, this time of day, around 5 p.m. here in L.A., the sun's just at a slightly different angle. And uh, sorry about that. The Skype was already going off. People, I will be taking calls at 20 after, if you can hear me. We're not taking calls yet. But good. Very. I love the initiative. Love the initiative. Trying to get in early. Um, I notice the signs. I see things. I'm not stupid. I know kids are going back to school. Kids are already in school. There's been like maybe even a week they've been in school already. Poor things. August. Really? That's, that should be sacred. And yes, I think tonight, like every single team in the National Football League is playing a game. I think it is the last official. Nobody cares. Nobody watches preseason football. I mean, okay, you freaks with your fantasy football teams do, but 
I barely care about football. So there's just absolutely no way in hell I'm caring about preseason football. And I still don't have a team. I gave up on my Raiders last year. And I know I got such shit for that. People, you give up on your team. Look, it was my dad's team. I borrowed it. You know, I kind of like to hang out and see who's doing interesting things. I mean, as a Raider fan, I hate the Denver Broncos. And and last year, it was fun to watch the Broncos. That's all I have to say. So here's what I have to tell you. I want you to enjoy your last three weeks of summer. I really want you like really hold on to the last three weeks because yes, things are transitioning. Yes, things are changing, but it's not quite here yet. We have not reached the autumnal equinox yet. And before you know it, there will be, you know, trick-or-treaters knocking at your door and you will be bursting a tur- bursting. <laughs> I hope you will not be bursting a turkey. You'll be basting a turkey. Uh, and then really before you know it, it's going to be totally fucked and we're going to be fucking putting stockings up and shit like that. I mean, you know, but you know, that'll be a whole nother season and everything. So that's my little, uh, little rant. Uh, just, you know, I have an essay today too, but I, you know, it's a, it's a call in day. I'm here to just occupy some time, be with you, do a little mindfulness breathing, uh, do a little yoga stretch. I'm not very good at the yoga, but, uh, we could do a stretch together. We could do a tree pose together if we needed to later in the show just to get some energy going. Uh, wanted to catch you up a little bit. Uh, sorry about the last few weeks. Uh, you know, between my internet getting all wacky doodle and then last week, uh, I just was overwhelmed. I've got, I'm going to New York with my show, A Carlin Home Companion in October and, uh, Sometimes the chest gets a little tight and I get a little overwhelmed. I, you know, because I'm spinning plates. I literally am spinning plates. I'm the guy on the Ed Sullivan show spinning plates. And like the minute one starts to get a wobbly, you know, gets going really, really fast. You look over and oh my, the other one's going wobbly. You got to run over there. And, 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 and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Google spinning plates guy, Ed Sullivan show, the, you kids out there. Okay, good. Uh, so I'm spinning lots of plates. So. I do not forget you. I do not take you all for granted. I just get a little overwhelmed sometimes, and so I apologize. But I do hope you uh, enjoyed our replay last week. And last week, I went to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and had an amazing time. People in Arizona, if if you're visiting Arizona, go to the Scottsdale Museum of Contemporary Art or Scottsdale Contemporary Sm- Smoka. Yes, it is Smoka, not Skoma. It's Smoka. And a great teeny little museum, but right in Old Town Scottsdale. And there's this woman who runs a thing called Lit Lounge once a month. It's kind of like our uncabaret, our sit and spin here. She's part of the spoke. She was part of the spoken word thing here in LA. And she runs a hell of a show. I did that. Great audience, just like a sit and spin or uncabaret audience. Smart, savvy, loving, big hearts. Fantastic. Did that. And then I taught this really cool workshop. I had 20 people come, strangers. I'd never taught a workshop of all strangers before. And I must say, it was very liberating. I got to boss them around. It was really great. <laughs> and uh, I know every, I, I got, everyone got something out of it. It was really, it was a great, a great two days. And the, the cherry on the top was that I got to experience a James Terrell insta- installation Yes, while you're listening, you can Google James Terrell. He is a man who does things with light and land. He's this man who has made 
an art piece out of a crater in Arizona where you go into a tunnel and you sit and there's a crater and the light changes. And he sometimes he does artificial light and sometimes he does both artificial and natural light. There's a retrospective at the Guggenheim right now. There's one here at LACMA in L.A. Scott still has a permanent thing. It's a, it's a spiritual experience. It's really, really cool. I was basically in this womb and there's a hole in the ceiling with the sky. And after a while, it starts to look like a blue painting in the ocean and amazing. And unfortunately, the evening I went in there, it was 94 degrees and 99% humidity. So it was also a sauna. It was very nice. I was just, you know, sweating out all my toxins while doing that. It was all very good. So, <laughs> but I had a great time in Scottsdale. Scottsdale was amazing. And uh, so just, I'm going to read my essay now, but I just want to prep you all a little bit. So it is going to be call-in show today. The number to call in, do not call in yet. We are not doing it yet. Give us a few more minutes. The number to call in is area code 323. They don't say that a lot anymore. Area code 323. Because it's not really an area code because it's on Skype. So there's it's it's in digital fucking land. Area code 323-473-3112. That is our number. I will repeat that for you one more time. Area code 323-473-3112 is our call-in number. And our theme today, it could be anything. It could be... Uh, you know, uh, summertime, the energy of summertime for you, the energy of that starting of that transition back for you. But I also want to hear from people about, you know, like a great story and great, I don't pressure, there's no pressure here. It's not like you have to have a story worked out. I just love hearing about people's lives and, and how they've unfolded. So if you have a story about a time in your life when you learned a lesson about something in your life and you moved on from it and, and just how you shifted a time when your, your heart was opened by something fantastic or something, uh, tragic. And yet it, it brought some sort of unexpected gift to your life. Um, you know, something about a shifting, an evolution of some kind. So, you know, because, you know, I will host anything here and I will talk to anyone about anything, but, um, I want you to all frame whatever you want to talk about into, you know, like what is, what's the, what's the goodie here? What's the good thing that can come out of this or has come out of this? That's inspiring for all of us to hear. I mean, we all get so much energy and, and inspiration and, um, and hope. Yeah. I said that word, hope. I know it's, it's, it's a word. You're allowed to say it and you're also allowed to feel it. Even at the very same time, you're saying, fuck hope. There's that Zen shit again. All right. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on that. But last week, I was planning on doing a show. So I woke up, did my routine, wrote my essay last week, and uh, didn't do a show. So this is technically from the mind of me a week ago, but it still applies. All right. So here we go. Essay for the week. It's called, I'm not even going to tell you what it's called. It's called Note to Self. Note to Self. Stop trying so hard. The prestige, reputation, and conquering achievements you fear you will miss out on if you don't play the game is not the point of life. Stop making it the point of life. The terror you now feel inside your body because I have told you that, that is your hard wiring. Social animals, maybe all animals have it. It's part of evolution. But it's not all of evolution. 
most of evolution is about organically flowing in one's niche in the web of life. Yes, there are moments when competing for a resource is necessary, but most of the time it is done in a unique way so as not to be as so as to be just part of the many who benefit from the resource. It's not about hoarding. There are no hoarders in nature. Only humans hoard. Note to self. Stop trying so hard. The prestige, reputation, and conquering achievement you fear you will miss out on if you don't play the game is not the point of life. Stop making it the point of life. The terror you now feel inside your body because I have told you that, that is learned. Yeah, we started learning it very early on when we saw on TV how only beautiful, successful people are happy and safe. Or when we got a gold star for the most words spelled right. Or when we were told that our futures would be assured if we only got into the right college. Note to self, stop trying so hard. Many of the voices in your head are lying to you. They don't know that they are lying. To them, it is the truth. Most of those voices were formed when you were younger, probably younger than eight years old, and you were searching for answers, some map, you know, to help you navigate the complicated world you suddenly found yourself in. You were a little inundated by new rules, arbitrary standards, and the unconscious needs of your parents. This was a lot to take in, navigate, manage. You did your best. You misunderstood a lot. Hug that eight-year-old for trying so hard. She, he, was a real trooper. Note to self, stop trying so hard. Many of the voices in your head are lying to you. They don't know that they're lying. To them, it is the truth. You are no longer that eight-year-old. The rules, regulations, and secret pacts that eight-year-old made are not true. It is not true that if you feel your anger, your mother will die. It is not true that if you feel and enjoy the urges of your body that you will tumble into a pit of chaos. It is not true that if you speak from your heart, you will be left alone outside of the tribe and die a cold and lonely death. It is not true that if you assert yourself in the world, your father will feel threatened and kill you. It's just not true. Note to self. Stop trying so hard, or as the poet Mary Oliver says, let the soft animal body that you are love the things that it loves. Trust yourself. You are trustworthy when you live from yourself. We are taught that living from ourselves is a selfish act, another of the eight-year-old's misunderstandings. But what else do we have in the end? It is our soft animal body that knows when we are tired, knows when we are full of joy, and knows when we have connected deeply to another. It is our soft animal body that craves some time in nature, is bowled over by a great poem or film, and is compelled to bring aid to someone or something in need. Note to self, stop trying so hard. The prestige, reputation, and conquering achievement you fear you will miss out on if you don't play the game is not the point of life. Stop making it the point of life. Many of the voices in your head are lying to you. They don't know that they are lying. To them it is the truth. And let the soft animal body that you are love the things that it loves. Trust yourself. 
You are trustworthy when you live from yourself. In the 80s, you had to actually get off your butt. You had to get up and say, here's what I stand for, here's what it's all about, and develop a voice. Awesome, Logan. <laughs> that was John Elliott's song, Cassius Clay. I never know what Logan's going to play. And that was just like, fuck yeah. It was like an exclamation point and then some. Uh, so uh, fantastic. Wow, that was great. How fun. How fucking fun was that? All right. Uh, so someone just tried to call right at 520. I will put a gold star next to your name for promptness. And of course, we were playing the song. So... So whoever that was who just called in, please call in again. I will answer the phone this time. I really, really will. I swear we are, we are going to take calls now. Uh, that'll be the exciting thing. Oh, and the number, oh, right. You know, I'm not one of those normal radio people. The number is 323-473-3112. You know, tell me a story about a time when you know, something shifted for you or you're maybe you're in the middle of a shift in your life right now and you're starting to see some light, some light around the edges of the darkness. Uh, maybe you just came through something and you're you're feeling more than just the light at the edge of the darkness. You're feeling like the, wow, I actually have uh, joy in my life again. Um, and uh, and and. And also, you know, there's bittersweet. There's always bittersweet, you know, when we go through things and we, we lose someone that we care deeply about, whether it's through divorce or a friendship or death or 
they move across the world in some ways. There's something that happens. There's an opening that happens. Uh, there's an opening that happens every single morning, actually. You know, I was uh, talking to my therapist recently about, uh, I don't know if anyone else experiences this, but waking up with the um, the morning, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. What the fuck do I have to do today? Oh, holy crap. Oh, my God. I'm sure there's a list. There's a very long list of things. Your heart kind of clenches your stomach, uh, you know, and I'm guessing that's probably not a great way to start the day. Yeah. So I actually started making lists because I never, oh, see, here we go. Look at this phone call. Hello. Hello. Can you hear us? Hello. Can you hear us? Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Hi. Hi. This is Angel. Hey, Angel. Angel from New York City, people. Angel's in the house. Yeah. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. How is it there? Is the good. is it sticky, sticky, hot, hot still? A little bit. It's cooling down right now. You know, we're we're in the future. So. You're you're that's right. You are in the future. Do we have um right. jet do we have jet packs yet? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I'll keep, no, I'll keep, working on that. I'll keep checking in on you with that and find out if yeah. when that happens exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so good to call in. I've been wanting to for so long, but usually, um, when you do your show, I have rehearsals, so I'm busy. Yes. But tonight we're not doing that. So, you know, I, I had to take the opportunity. Oh, fantastic. I'm so glad you did. So everyone, so you know, this is Angel Eduardo and he's got a great funk band called, Blue food. Gee, right. gee, Angel, where did you get the name for your band? Uh, <laughs> you know, I was watching TV one night and uh, there was this crabby dude. Yes. On HBO. Right. And he was yapping about something. Mm -hmm. And I heard him say the phrase and I thought, hey, this is a great idea. I could run with this so much better than he did. <laughs> <laughs> I will take this man's idea and I will build on it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's how you and I connected, actually. Yeah, was right, right. was through this great funny name. You're like, yeah, I have to share this with you, and I hope it's okay. And I'm like, right. oh, my God, I love it. This is fantastic. And on top of it, it's well, a... actually, yeah, actually, what happened was my sister was right. one of the first Facebookers. She was. And, uh, yeah, she had a huge George Carlin group. So you contacted her first, I think. That's right. That's right. She had created a yeah. memorial page, I think, originally. Yeah. 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 Which still so, is going strong. There's like there's like thirty thousand people on that memorial page on Facebook. It's Yeah, it's it's amazing. It yeah. is a lot it, of people love George, your dad. Yeah. You know. Speaking of transformative moments, transformative, you know, events. Yeah. That you know, that that I think the the first thing I saw of your dad's was complaints and grievances in 2001, I think. Cheerful. That was when cheerful. I knew it was George Carlin. Yeah, that's when, but that's when I knew it was George Carlin, but I had no idea that he had been in my life my, my entire life. I was watching Shining Time Station and looking at him and not realizing it was him. Wow. That's and, um, cool. Yeah, and even, you know, uh, when he had that sitcom, The George Carlin Show, I remember watching it on TV just randomly. I'm thinking I like this guy, but I had no idea what it was or anything. You know? Right, right. Because you're a youngin. Then, you you're know, one of the youngins. Well, I'm getting on. I'm getting on. <laughs> but, you know, 
Um, but I, I, really the reason I wanted to call because it was because I just really wanted to tell you uh, two things. Mm-hmm. The first thing is that I love your show because I feel like, you know, I met you because of your dad. And, you know, if it weren't for your dad, I probably wouldn't have reached out to you. We probably would never have met. But after meeting you and after hearing about your show and, you know, I'm, I'm really anal retentive. So I went back and started from the first episode and listened to all of them. You get a you you get a gold star for that angel. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, after listening to your show, I feel like I really got to know you and, and I got to kind of watch you come out of, you know, being George Carlin's daughter. Hey, that's George Carlin's daughter. So now you're just Kelly Carlin. And you've got your own thing. Yep, that is definitely my evolution story. The last five years, right. certainly a hundred percent. It's it's a it's a beautiful and inspiring thing to watch. You know, cool. Or to witness. Cool. Because you know, I've been listening, not watching, but you know, <laughs> that's amazing too. And the second the second thing is that I love listening to your show because it makes me uncomfortable. Ah, oh, I like that. <clears throat> Do say more. Yeah, I, I'm, what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, I see you got a new episode and I listen to a podcast at work and I feel something inside me not want to listen to it. Something is, is you know, I'm recoiling a bit. Resisting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it's because, you know, every time that that happens, I think about it. Like, why is that? And I, and I force myself to listen to it anyway. Not like, you, you know, it's a labor to listen to you, but... Whatever that is, I, I, get it. I, yeah. I push past it, you know? Yep. And I think the reason is because you talk about a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily think about, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, when we get into that sort of spiritual, sort of woo-woo kind of uh-huh. area. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah. And But the thing is that every time, every time that I listen to your podcast and every time you have somebody on that, you know, like Empa Roshi or mm-hmm. any of those kinds of people, and I listen to it anyway, even though my initial instinct is to stop. I listen to it anyway, and I always feel better for listening to it because I, I get to hear things that I wouldn't, you know, if, if it were all up to me, I would never bother. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's part of, you know, that's part of keeping yourself honest, you know, keeping yourself involved and keeping yourself from becoming a robot and just repeating applause lines and you know yeah it's 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 there's two great points in there uh absolutely you know that that is that thing that yeah pulling ourselves out of the comfort zone a little bit and visiting areas that do make us uncomfortable um because everything is just a perspective ultimately and uh, you know i really believe that the more perspectives we allow ourselves to entertain actually the healthier kind of a, a mind we have you know like you said otherwise right. you're just you're, you're just right you're 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 a hack you become a hack in your own life you're only going for applause lines i i love that i love that yeah, right. and and plus right. i i love that too because i really like part of like what i believe my being is about here you know we all kind of have a glimpse into like what we think we're here to do is i really believe that i'm here to to kind of ground some of those more woo wooey things and language them in a way that are make them more accessible to people who n- normally can't go there right. and, and then the other part too is to kind of take the woo woo people and kind of actually you know ground them a little bit into 
right. more practical, yeah. rational thinking. You know, so yeah. I, come come back come back from the Joshua tree <laughs> exactly, and, you know, and that we need both yeah, sides. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel uh, my yeah, totally. you know. I mean, I th- you know, and you're an artist, you're a musician. You know, right. it's like we have to be able to go and follow the creative urge, and also yeah, that's, that's actually what I was going to say. Cool, was, um, you know. Uh, being being that kind of person, you know, you will stagnate as an artist. You'll stagnate as a, as a creative person. Anything you do, you know, I write, I play music, I do all kinds of stuff. I try to do as much as I can, and you will repeat yourself, and you will you will become boring, and you will become uninspired if you don't push yourself to be uncomfortable. Mm. That's the whole point of all of it is is pushing that line where find out where the line is, like your dad said, and cross it intentionally. Yeah, and, and, and right, professionally, yeah. artistically, personally. Always yeah, especially find, personally, because yes. you are you are the vessel for your art. So if you aren't evolving, if you aren't working on it, then your art isn't going to go anywhere. Yes, you know. Uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of artists who start off and they're great. They they just you know they come out exploding with all this energy and all this drive, and then you know it starts to slow down. It's kind of like the Big Bang, and then all of a sudden it's slowly creeping to a standstill because they stopped after that first you know explosion they just stop pushing yeah because you know it's very easy especially if you have commercial success you know to a part of you gets uh, you know feels like oh um okay well that works and i know what works therefore i'm going to do a little more of that because it's safe and i'm getting paid for it now and all of that and yeah the hardest thing is is to keep in touch with that that integrity part of ourself the part of that that you know that I, it's like, I feel like we're not in charge of like something wants to be spoken through us. And, and that's the part that we have to listen to. And that's the part that can scare the shit out of ourselves too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and the, the, the scariness is what's great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, not, not, you know, uh, another, just going back really quick to the band and why, why it was named after, you know, in some way connected to your father is because of the way that he changed the way I thought. Mm. And, you know, a few of, a few of, um, everyone in the band loves your dad, obviously, but, you know, specifically myself and our, and our drummer, Odin, he, we grew up listening to him and we became rabid fans and everything that he said, you know, we absorbed and we, we it changed the way we thought. Mm. And so my, my personal goal with, with this band is to create folk music that's, that is also, you know, <laughs> I, when I when I started out and I was explaining it to people, I would say that funk, as as far as I can understand it, there are three there are three P's in punk in funk. The three P's. That's what funk is about: <laughs> pussy, partying, and politics. <laughs> and but I wanted to add yeah. I wanted to add another P. I wanted to add philosophy to that. I wanted mm, to you know mm-hmm. the little PH sound, a little bit different, a little coming from another place. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so you know, there's a song on our record about. It's called Ted Ted. It's about the. It's about arguing. It's about wanting to be wrong, mm. because that state of being wrong, that state of challenging someone but being honest and being, you know, logically bested mm-hmm. in a way. You know, yes. it's kind of like, like uh, you know, the, the line is like what uh, what the Greeks would call a glorious death. Yeah, you know, like dying in battle. It's the most honorable thing. Yeah, because once you lose, you learn, and that's. That's a gift, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's, it's such an interesting uh, space to play with, too, that, uh, you know, like, I, I like to kind of hold it in the metaphor of 
being willing to stand in the fire with someone, you know, when things get a little heated and so much of polite society, we are, you know, taught to demure or to back away. And and that's a helpful thing because you don't want, you know, always the, you know, too much Mm -hmm. heat, too much fire, but to learn to stay in the fire with someone and stay in relationship with them in yeah. in service of the relationship and in service of finding some some truth is a really you know, it's, powerful it's practice about having a mutual intent and if the intent is yeah 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 you know, that if it's about that mutual intent you know you have this mutual intent of honesty of progress yep and you know if that's really what both of you are in it for then the argument will always end well even if you know someone's always going to lose or maybe it'll hit a stalemate but at least you've found something yeah, and that's what I think is so wonderful, you know. Yeah, 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 and it, it you know it's be, and it's important to remember that you know we may our ideas may clash and our feelings may be clashing, but if we keep our hearts open to each other and our minds open, uh, right. who knows what will arise? You know, it's kind of like yeah. that that third thing. You know, speaking of Gempo Roshi, when he and I would talk about you know the apex or holding the two opposites holding the tension of right. the opposites. A third thing is created right. that you don't know. There's no way you can know how to create it until it's created by holding that tension. And uh, yeah. that's, you know, that's like nuclear fucking physics right there. Yeah. I've always found that very interesting. You know, you brought that up a bunch of times in your, in, you know, previous shows and stuff, that idea of holding two opposing viewpoints at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I always laugh when, whenever that comes up because it just, at first, you know, when you first hear it, you just think, oh, that's a double think. Right. You know? <laughs> right. But it's kind of like, it's a positive form of double think. Yeah. Know? Kind of like checking yourself. It, it is. And it, it's, and it's, and it's basically as it's leaping to a perspective, it's, it's double think only if they cancel each other out in some weird right. way. But really what we're talking about is, is, including both of them and transcending both of them. And and it takes you right. to a, a perspective that is bigger than your ego, no matter what. Right. And and because double think is definitely from the egoic mind. So, but yeah, I like yeah. that. I like, I, you know, even holding the tension of the opposites of double think and, uh, you know, the, the, the apex or something that, that God, like, wow, that's, I think your brain would absolutely explode then. I'm just having a thought about that. Yeah. That's, that's great. You yeah. Know, having, yeah. Uh, you know, I was, uh, when I visited California, I went up to see some redwoods and, uh, I, I overheard a tour guide saying something about how the seeds of the redwood are inside the trunk. Mm-hmm. And in order for those seeds to come out, there has to be a fire. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, like you need that purging fire to, to take down the old trees and plant the new, the new seeds so that they become new trees. So you do that with your brain and you're in good shape, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you look at the big, long, long bend of, you know, the history of this planet, uh, you know, that's, that's how it all happens is, you know, shit's got to be blown up in order for new stuff to come around. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what everything is about. You know, a yep. guitar is, is two pieces, pieces of wood nailed together and, you know, there's a, there's a metal rod in the middle of the neck and there are, there are metal strings being pulled taut. There's a lot of tension and violence mm. in, this, in this instrument. But mm. then the minute you put your human hands on it and you start to do things, beautiful things come come out of it. Mm. You know? so yeah. Wow. It's, it's, you know, a natural way. It's the way it's got to be. You need to be, you need to be uncomfortable. You need to be vulnerable. You need to be, 
in that place where you're going to shift. You might lose a limb. You might lose something. Yeah. But that's what, you know, makes room. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Wow. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Angel. This yeah, has been lovely. Absolutely. Um, it's such a pleasure. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we finally connected here. And um, how do people find out about your music? What's your website again? Oh, um, we are at bluefood.com. Cool. And we're also on Facebook at Blue Food Music. And we're on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Food Music, all Blue Food Music. You oh. Google Blue Food Music, it'll come up. Cool, cool, wonderful. Yeah, and people... actually, a little, a little YouTube video of your dad with that bit oh. comes up. Oh, if good. You Google it too. Perfect. And perfect. that's actually my, that's actually my YouTube account. Oh yeah, we'll be we'll be we'll be <laughs> shutting you down soon. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, so I wanted to I wanted to apologize for that and. Uh... We'll be shutting you down, figured, and then you know, we'll, we'll give you, you know, a little permission. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll give you a pass. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I figure I'm letting you know about it. It's kind of it's not feeling. I just borrowed it. <laughs> okay, for right. a while. I get it now. And you know, you weren't around. I didn't have number. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Well, well you it was ha- lovely to talk to you, Kelly. It Thank was great. So Great to talk to you too, and have uh, a fantastic rest of the three weeks of summer. Enjoy yeah. every day of it. Enjoy. This. Oh, and I can't wait to see your show. Oh, and, my God, oh I'm so yes, excited. and we, uh, you will, you, we will see each other in October. I will be in the city. Yeah. Yep. I will be there the first night. Yay! I will. I will tell the. I will. General admission. I will tell the story to you. You will be the one person in the audience that I'll be telling it to. Oh, that. That well, makes... I'll tell my brother you're inclu- he's included, but I will. We'll yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling. Have a great, uh, great weekend. All right. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. It was lovely. Wow, lots of territory there. We went into. Yeah, Angel's great. He uh, again, social media, like he said, his sister. That's right. His sister started the official George Carlin something or other, and. Um, it was just, you know, there was 10,000 people on it or something. It was just amazing, amazing. And uh, I've met him a couple times. We've had lunch together and uh, just a really bright, soulful young man. I think he's he's not very old. I don't think he's 25 yet even. He's got all that wisdom inside his head and his heart. What a great guy. Uh, yeah. And, he, you know, it was interesting. He was talking about resistance. And, um, you know, sometimes I have resistance to watching certain films that I know are going to, I don't know, like call me forth as an artist. Like they're going to like blow my mind on some deep level and open my heart and maybe feel some deep things. And, and it's funny this whole year, almost for the entire year, I have not seen a lot of films. I did not see, I saw most of the Academy Award ones that were nominated, but I haven't been going to movies. I haven't been paying attention. People come to my house and like, oh my God, have you seen? Have you seen? And I've been like, no, no, no. I've just been in kind of resistance around it all. And I don't know if it's because I'm I'm just kind of where I'm at artistically right now. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be called forth on some other level. Like I've, I've got work to do with what I'm doing. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I've been resisting some stuff lately around that. And uh, and then, of course, you know, I'll watch a film like that and I think, why was I resisting this? This is like so fantastic. This is so beautiful. Uh, anyway, if anyone wants to call in, the number is 
3112. And uh, we would love to hear from all of you. And oh, did, I wonder if someone else called on this. This one number here is called four times. The 951 area code person, I know you've called in a bunch. And uh, I don't know if you called while I was on the phone with Angel or not, but um, try us again. You clearly have something to say. You have called already four times. And I'm so curious to know, who is it? Who could it be? Is it someone I know? Is it someone from Lithuania? Is it someone we did we get a weird call last time from someone someone far away? I can't remember now. Oh well Dan. Well oh yeah, Dan, that's right. He was far away. He was shooting somewhere with something. Mr. Piastanak called in. Mr. Piastanak. Oh, by the way, I was I don't know, I was looking oh, okay. I I'm on LinkedIn now. You know, I want to do some public speaking and but just want to mention this to anyone out there. Anyone has an organization, especially like a women's organization, I am um, ready to be snatched up to come and speak to your women's organization. We can design anything that you want or need. I can do a workshop, whatever, speaking thing, luncheon. Would love to come to your city. Uh, would love to come to your beautiful, natured uh, part of the world if you want to bring me there. Uh, so anyway, I, I went on LinkedIn because um, it's kind of a little more businessy and all of that. I'm like, okay. And I get every, you know, every day I get, hey, such and such has invited you to join there. And I'm like, I, but I'm not, I'm not on LinkedIn. Why are they leaving me alone? So uh, anyway, I went on LinkedIn and now I have no idea why I started this story. Don't you just hate that? Oh, speaking. No, but it's not about speaking. I don't know what the fuck it's about. All right. Anyway, uh, something to do with corporate speaking. Oh, God, it'll come to me. You know, this is what happens. This is what happens at 50, folks. It's not pretty. No, no, it's not pretty. I was talking about the social media thing, LinkedIn. Oh, someone connected with me there. I can't remember now. We'll figure. Oh, look, there's a call. Thank God someone rescued me from myself. Hello, you're on the air, Waking from the American Dream with Kelly Carlin. Who's this? Hi, uh, this is Victoria Landis. How are you? Hi, Victoria Landis. You have such a nice, lovely, clear voice. I'm good today. And how are you today? I'm good. <laughs> I'm calling from Florida. It's late here. It is late there. It is well, late there. it's late for me. I get up at five. So. <laughs> <gasps> well, bless you, Victoria, for being here and calling yeah. in and staying up and listening yeah. to the show. Well, um, I was thrilled. I just listened to you talk to Angel, and that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved his redwood thing. I thought that was awesome. Right. Redwood's got to burn it before the seeds come out and blossom again. And I thought that was a great metaphor for many more things. Yeah. So that was terrific. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And so, but you asked for inspiring stories. And since you said you had a master's of psychology, I I'd, do. You do. You're way smarter than I am. Um, But uh, I had a a story for you, and this happened a long time ago. Um, My second husband uh, was not a good guy. Mm. And um, I was living in Hawaii, and I lived there for quite a few years. And I had two little boys. One was four, and one was a year and a half. And all the way through the marriage... It had been really bad. Mm. You know, it was verbal, and then it got to physical and all this horrible things. And then, just when I was at my worst wit's end thinking, what in the heck? Oh, by the way, we were dirt poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had nothing. Right. We had nothing. I mean, we had, if I had $50, it was a miracle. Um, so, you know, and no car and all that sort of thing. I mean, it was just really stuck. 
And uh, just when I thought things were their absolute worst, the guy comes in the door and looks at me and he says, are you that miserable? And I said, yeah, duh, you know, (laughs) I didn't say that, but I went, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'll give you 24 hours to get out. Wow. And I had a 24-hour window to pack a few things and get the boys and find a place to live and go. (laughs) I had nothing. But it was just, you know, it's the most amazing thing that when you really need something, it usually comes to you, you know, not not the way you expect it to. (laughs) (laughs) But it comes to you, you know. Well, and and, and what's so interesting is that some aspect of him – you know, like, was healthy enough to know that even he needed to get out of this situation because he was not behaving well at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and then, of course, you know, I I got out. And um, not two days later, the phone call starting, the stalking started, Uh, all that stuff that they Day happens the, after, the healthy, you know, the the healthy part of him went away right away. <laughs> oh, yeah, it did. I mean, it's like God opened the window, and it was a very, very short opening. Yep. You know, yep. It's like, zoom, get out of it now. Yep. And um, But that happened, oh, gosh, 20 years ago. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, no, 24 years ago. Um, but uh, not interesting, sadly. Uh, about a month or so ago, I got a call from my oldest son and my ex, his father had been in a horrible accident, Mm. um, still in Hawaii. He, uh, had been in a motorcycle accident and he literally broke his neck. Oh my Lord. Snapped his neck. Wow. And and now he's still in the hospital. He's Mm. paralyzed from the chest down. And I... Did I, I love Marianne Williamson? I saw that you know you do you're half her and half Lucille Ball. And I thought that was cool. Yes. <laughs> That's quite a combination. Yes. But um, I love Marianne Williamson, and uh, I, I thought that this is an interesting thing to it because um, I forgave many years ago. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about it, there's really no electric charge to it. There's no residual resentment. It's, you know, it's all gone. Yeah. You know, so I don't hold anything against him and I sure as hell wouldn't wish this on him. Yeah, of course. But I, I am marveling, marveling at the power of karma. <laughs> you know? y- yeah. Like, you know, when stuff like that happens, it really does make me think, I think, wow, very interesting, you know, and and the the choices, you know, whether you call it karma, which can be this very, you know, esoteric way of, you know, but really all karma means is cause and effect that if you make certain choices in your life, eventually, you know, all choices, there is an effect. And uh, yeah, it's wow, that's a fascinating story. And yeah, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah, it's awful. And, it's awful. And, and my question to you is, um, you know, I just was interested in knowing, like, how long did it take for you to understand, you know, why you were picking these type of gentlemen who were not safe to be with and, you know, were not respecting and honoring you? Like, when did the light bulb go off for you? Like, oh, I deserve more than this. Yeah. uh, Actually, I remember very well. I was 42. Hmm. And uh, one day I was on my third marriage, 
And uh, <laughs> this yeah. is this is a, this is a mini series. I'm, I'm already feeling it. Oh, I'll tell you, you have no idea. My my, my siblings tease the hell out of me. Um, it's it's a it's a running joke. Uh, but uh, I was in my third marriage, and it was not an abusive marriage, mm-hmm. although it wasn't a great one. Um, and but we're still friends. He's he's a good guy. Um, I'm divorced from him too. Mm. But we've stayed friends, and he's he's a good guy. We just didn't belong being married. But in that marriage, I was 42, and all of a sudden, one day, I, I you know how you ask these things all the time, but I, I must have been really serious this one day, because I sort of, you know, cast my eyes toward heaven and said, why me? Hmm. Why me? I'm a good person. I obey the rules. I do everything right. I try so hard to please people. Why is this happening to me all the time? You know, because my first husband was horrifying and my second husband was horrifying. And it's like, this is ridiculous. And I had a whole bunch of boyfriends in between that were horrifying. And um, wouldn't you know, that's when people, you know, said, here, read this book, you know, here, read this book. And was it, was it Melody, was it Melody Beattie's codependent no more? No, no, actually, it was a it was a little Jewish grandma down in Margate, down a little ways here from here, and she said I needed to get Louise Hay's book. Oh, Louise Hay, sure, yeah, yeah, Louise Hay. And so since then, you know, it's I, 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 that was so oh gosh, thirteen years ago now, and um, so I, I, you know, went from Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson and yep. Deepak Chopra, and yep. I did all my own stuff. You know, right. for years and years and years, and I really dug deep and peeled all the scabs off and figured out what why I was tracking now. Good for you. And, Good for you. That yeah, takes it, it took, that it takes took a while. It and it takes a lot of courage to to point the flashlight on ourselves. The why is you know why me question is mm-hmm. you know is 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 one that uh, doesn't give you. Uh, any real uh, information or wisdom. And uh, because, you know, we're, we're pretending like we're not, we don't have a part in it. And everything we do is a co-creation in our life. Uh, you know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was totally responsible for every single bit of it. Yeah. 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 Well, good for you. I'm so glad you um, were willing to sit with yourself and to to learn to look at the parts of yourself that weren't making great choices, you know, I, somebody, I, it's not my term, but someone picked the term, you know, that you're the, to, to fix your picker, you know, like a lot of people have their picker broken, they pick the wrong guy, they pick the wrong mm-hmm. girl, and they just they, their <laughs> picker is broken. And, uh, and we we actually can fix our picker. I, I did mine, yeah. I had bad relationships, too. And, and now my husband and I have been together for 20 years. And, uh, it's just a great thing. And uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, great story. I mean, very inspiring for women, that story, because there's so many out there right now who are stuck in bad situations with kids, no money, the whole thing. And there is always some way out. There is. And, and you know, uh, I mean, yours was almost like a miracle, like him walking in and giving you 24 hours. That is like it's like some kind yeah. of it's like something came into his head and took him over for <laughs> for a few days. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, okay, yes, I'm leaving. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Yeah. Wow. Great story. But, well, and I'm glad you're I'm glad you're in a better place and uh and and thank you. Thanks for calling in and sharing that. That was really lovely. 
Uh, well, thanks for uh, you. You posted your uh, thing saying the show was going to be on tonight on uh, Vicki Abelson's group. Oh, good. So You're part says, of Vicki's. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. W- women who write. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll call in and see what she's all about. Oh, so that's, that's cool. fan- Well, welcome. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you for calling yeah. in and connecting with me in the show. And uh, yeah. Vicki Abelson's a fantastic human being. And, uh, oh, and I, and you're obviously a writer if you're in her group. So keep on, yeah. keep on writing yeah. your pages and, uh, and, and, and thank you again. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Have I'll a great, keep, I'll keep listening. Okay, great. Have a great weekend. Okay. Bye-bye. How lovely that is. That was very lovely. I, by the way, did not figure out why I was talking about the LinkedIn earlier. I won't figure it out. It'll be like 930 tonight. I'll figure it out. I'll post it on Twitter. I'll let you guys know. Uh, yeah, that was that was that was really interesting. You know, it's it's so weird that whole. You know, she was like the why me and the people pleasing and the good girl stuff. You know, we think you know, it's kind of like my essay today. You know, we think that if we just do the right things, if we abide by those rules that we figured out at eight years old, um, <laughs> life is supposed to hand us things. One of the most fright. You know, speaking of like facing hard truths. When I heard someone say, life is not fair, and it's not meant to be fair, like that freaked me out, because I always thought that there was some perfect justice somewhere. And maybe there is if you, you know, look back far, far enough from it, look at the whole galaxy universal, I don't know, anyway. But um when I let myself feel the reality of that, that life isn't fair and isn't really meant to be fair, it changed, it like really changed things for me. It made it more easy to take responsibility for myself at times, you know, because I thought, well, if I do, if I am a good girl, if I do do the right things, then I'm supposed to get A, B, and C, goddammit, because that's how it feels in the rule book. That's how it's supposed to be. That's the map in my head I have. And um, and yet it, it keeps you completely unconscious if you operate from that philosophy uh, because you're, you're not really seeing your part in things and you're kind of uh, sitting around waiting for things. Oh, another caller. Oh, hold on. Come on. There we are. Hey, Alex Stein. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly Carlin. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so glad you called in. I, I'm so glad that I got through. I, uh, I had a little story that I wanted to share with you, which I think is at least related to the topic. I'm sure and it, it is. Concerns, and it concerns uh, the fact that when, and I think that you probably can relate to this on, on several layers, on several sides as well. When we create something, at first, when we're thinking of it and when we're, when we're, you know, forming it, it's something that only exists for us and it belongs to us. And then once we create it and we send it out into the world, it then, it still belongs to us, but it also partially belongs to the audience. It also partially belongs to and becomes the experience of whoever is is dealing with it or or listening to it or watching it. Yes. Um, and I think that particularly with with your relationship with your um with your dad's uh legacy, I think that that's probably something that you can 
that you can relate to on that level as well as with your own work. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and I, I had a I had a story about that that I just wanted to wanted to share with you if I could. Yeah, please um, do. We love your stories. Excellent. I um I started a while ago doing these uh spoken word storytelling nights and um at one point our friend Dylan Brody said to me, You should really do more things that you're scared of. And taking that to heart, I wrote this piece and um about how when I was in college, I had obsessively listened to this particular Graham Parker record over and over again as part of a strange way that I thought I could get one of my ex-girlfriends back. <laughs> and I ultimately did. And uh, and then she there it was a whole thing, and she got pregnant. And so it it really had a very weird bittersweet thing to me, even though I, I love this record, but probably have listened to it about a thousand times. Right. And the first time, the first time I told this story, I was literally shaking because I thought mm. everyone is going to think poorly of me. And this reflects so badly on, on what I have done and makes me out as a horrible human being. And every time I have told that story, a couple of things have happened. One is that women have come up to me afterwards and told me about their own experiences with abortion. Wow. Which is, which is something that I, I frankly feel uh, odd and a little bit unworthy to receive <laughs> something that's so important to them. But I also at the same time feel very uh, honored that something that I created you know, made its way out into the world and let them feel that they were, they would be free enough to share something that personal with me. Mm. So, um, so that's one thing that happened. And the other thing that has happened every time I've, I've read this story is people have come up to me or emailed me a couple of days later and said, you know, after listening to this, I, I went out and bought all this Graham Parker music. Ah, nice. so, so of course I'm happy about that as well. And, um, and then just to bring this, full circle a little bit uh, and talking about, you know, the art that means something to the audience that's not just what the creator means. Um, I did this story a couple weeks ago at a show with, with Dylan Brody, and we got a tape of it. And Dylan sent the tape to Graham Parker, found Graham Parker's email address and wrote to him and said, you should hear this, and sent him the tape. And then uh, a day and a half later, I get this incredibly nice, complimentary, very, very funny and, and self-deprecating email from Graham Parker, who said that he really enjoyed the piece and he was very flattered, but a little bit creeped out. <laughs> oh, Alex, that is so beautiful. I mean, just all of it. And it is, you know, it is that thing thing when you you talked about receiving the stories from the women and not quite sure uh, you're honored but not quite sure if you're worthy to receive them and yet the fact that you walked through your fear and stepped into your courage and stepped into the fire of that walked over the edge of that that is what makes you worthy to receive their stories because they they trust you with it and uh 
because, you know, you write and you tell stories from your heart, which is the truth. So, oh, wow, that is just so gorgeous. And then I love the icing on the cake. I love I love the Graham Parker part of it. That's just that's so fucking cool. Wow. And, and you know, it's the sort of thing that you talk about social media a lot and, and people you've gotten to know over through Twitter and, and various things. And this is something that I, I think would have been, it's not impossible, really, really difficult just maybe 10 years ago. Oh, so true. But the fact that everybody now is online and everybody is, is at least acceptable if you can, if you can find your way to them and get their attention. Yeah. And, you know, when, when we grew up, I was used to thinking of, uh, maybe it's a little different for you because of your dad, but I was used to thinking of, uh, musicians and actors as people who sort of existed on a on a totally different plane, and the idea that you would actually communicate with them seemed, you know, the stuff of science fiction. Yeah, and it's funny because even though my dad was famous, I I felt that way too. I mean, I'm still starstruck, starstruck, and my dad was too. You know, it's it's really it is. I think it's a special part of the brain where you just like those people can't really be real. They don't live on planet Earth. They really do not put mm-hmm. their pants on one leg at a time. That's a lie. Uh, but wow, wow. That's, uh, yeah, the social media thing's crazy. It is. It's so weird and so fantastic. I mean, I was just on Twitter last night and I, once again, I was thinking, this is such an amazing form because you really can just reply to Steve Martin on Twitter. Yeah, he might not read it. He may read it. He's probably not going to reply, but you're replying to him. You're, you're showing up on his little t- tweet deck or in his Twitter thing or whatever. And, just the accessibility is, I mean, it's so, it's so fantastic. And I think it is changing the shape of our minds in some ways because of that. And, and I always get such an incredible thrill when, um, when I tweet to someone who is, who is famous or has tens of thousands of followers. And I think they, they couldn't possibly pay attention to, you know, this and they either retweet or they'll favorite or they'll reply or something. And you just realize, Oh wow, this is actually a real person. (laughs) And that, and that is always a little bit surprising and wonderful. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's always that little bit of like a dance, like, oh, they retweeted me. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want to impress the famous people. I want, I want to impress the people uh, at the cool kids table. Of course, because we know that's really what life is all about, right? You know, but it's, it's true. We are all uh, definitely uh, open and prone to that thing. Thinking at times, so and it is. It's kind of I don't know. It's it's kind of childlike and, and innocent and sweet in some ways too. So, um, so Alex, thank you for calling. And will you right now share with my audience, our audience at this moment that, that we're sharing here, um, where you have a new book out, which is called, which is called No, Mister Bond, I Expect Your Dreams to Die. <laughs> <laughs> and it is available on Amazon.com as both an ebook and a paperback. Um, and people can find me at AlexMstein.com. The Graham Parker story is in the book, so you can read that. Um, and on Facebook. And uh, thank you so much for all of your wonderfulness in your show. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And also, you have a, a fantastic documentary about the Iditarod uh, dog sledding race. Uh, so uh, people out there look for that. What's that called again? It's called um It's called Mush and uh yeah, and that's so on Facebook too or you can so go good. to mushthemovie.com. It's so great. It's just such a great inside look and human look and and everyone read uh, Alex's stories are always magical and grounded in heart and wit 
and a lot of humanity. So, you know, he's he's one of the good eggs out there. So check out his stuff. And thanks for calling, Alex. I love talking to you. You're, you're welcome. Kelly, if I can say one more thing. Always. I know I've said this to you privately, but I want to say it to your audience as well, that the first time I ever did a story at a, at a uh, live storytelling show, you were in the audience and you, you came up to me and you just said, you should do more of that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> and even though I felt that first time very awkward and uncomfortable and stumbling, there also was a sense that this was a real home yeah. thing for me. And I thank you for having recognized that my, in me on that night. My pleasure. And so easily recognizable because I know the home that I have found there too. And you clearly, it was like, oh, a compatriot. There is a compatriot. He must know he belongs here. So, uh, you know, it makes the village that much more fun. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome, darling. Take care. All right. That was cool. I always love it when friends call. My Skype's a little slow today. I love it when friends call like that. And uh, someone from the 858 area code called three times and someone from the 951 earlier called four times. And now the lines are open. 323-473-3112. We've talked to some lovely people so far. We've talked to Angel. We've talked to Victoria. We've talked to Alex. We're, we're talking about creativity. We're talking about waking up and moments of clarity. Uh, we're talking about realizing that uh, I just loved what he was saying about the creative process and how at first it's yours and then you put it out there and it is, it is the audiences. I mean, and that's really what you ultimately want because we filter everything through our own experience. And, and if you don't really recognize that, just read any book, like not newspaper, or anything or fictional uh, or, or a, a magazine, but, but read any, even nonfiction or fictional book or essay or something like that. And realize that as you're reading it, all you're doing is saying, on some unconscious level, how does this apply to me? What does this mean to me? How does this, is this, is this lining up with my thinking? Is this not, is this, is this an experience I can use to understand the world some more, to expand my mind and understand how to operate here? You know, because we're always looking for a map, always, always looking for the map. And, uh, and I, it's funny when I see myself, watch myself reading something and I'm like, I'm just looking for myself in these words. I'm looking for myself. And, and, and I've had that experience with the Carlin Home Companion, certainly, that I re- it's been really, an, it's kind of an interesting place with it right now. You know, I started it on a, on a thing of like, wow, this would be great to give to the fans. And it would also be great for me personally and creatively to kind of jump through a lot of hurdles, over a lot of hurdles and through some hoops, being on stage, writing a long piece, going in front of audiences that don't know me. I mean, just a lot of, I've, I've had to walk over that edge a lot the last two years with this show. And it's been terrifying. The first six months, I was I was in pure terror on stage uh, and having not spent longer than 12 minutes on stage. I mean, I did a one-woman show years ago, but I did only three nights. But, and now uh, it's changing again for me. There's something I'm claiming in the show because I've kind of gotten through all of these hoops. And I, I had a rehearsal last night with um, Paul Provenza, my director, and uh, he. one of the things that I've done is I've given myself permission to be on stage and play. And so some of the show has gotten really kind of loose because of that. And 
And he reminded me last night, you know, as he was following the script along and he said, you know, there's some chunks here that you're, yeah, we're getting the information, we're getting the feel of it, but he says, you've written some really beautiful language here and it does a lot of the work for you. And this is what you're about is this language. So maybe it's time to rein in the playing and the looseness and honor the tightness of this language again. And I have to tell you that it's so true. I mean, it's really for me being a writer and the language is so important. And it's what we Carlins do. It's, you know, it's I stand on my grandfather's shoulders, who was an amazing, you know, award winning raconteur, storyteller, speaker. He he won national awards for it. Uh, my grandmother's love of words and how she fed those to my dad. And then certainly we all know my dad's legacy around that. And, 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 you know, and this year writing these essays, and although they're kind of come right out of me and pour out of me, there's sometimes a sentence, you know, will come out of me and I'll be like, oh, man, I'm really glad I wrote that sentence today. Makes it feel like all worthwhile. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm working this next five weeks on the show before I take it to New York. Oh, and just so you all know, if you're in the Los Angeles, Hollywood area on October 2nd, I'm going to be doing the show one more time in LA before I take it to New York. I'll be at the Acme Comedy Theater on La Brea and uh, would love for you to come down and give me a nice bon voyage to New York. And uh, and then I'll, I'm part of this thing called the All for One Festival. It's a festival of solo shows. There's eight shows total. You can go to afofest.org and see all the eight shows. Uh, we'll be in New York City. Uh, it's for two weeks, starting October 11th. I think it runs through the 21st, I think. And I'll be having four performances of my show. Very honored to be picked by this festival. The advisory board of uh, All for One uh, is like a who's who of solo show people. Whoopi Goldberg, John Leguizamo, Lily Tomlin, my hero, and a bunch of other people that I'm, I can't think of right now, but, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm really excited. And really these next five or six weeks is all about me finding another layer for myself with this and, and changing my relationship with it. And it's already shifted. I can already feel it's shifted. So I'm excited about it. And, um, and we have time for one more call. If anyone wants to call in 323 473 3112. Uh, I'm here. We could talk about anything. Uh, we could certainly talk about really the most important news of the week, which was, you know, Miley Cyrus twerking on the VMAs. It's funny because I saw that everyone was live tweeting the VMAs and I would used to jump into that shit. I'm like, you know what? I just fucking can't do it. I can't do it tonight. So I tweeted, I will not be live tweeting. If, 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 if you're looking for something different, I will not be live tweeting the VMAs tonight. I was very proud of myself. And then all this stuff went down. And I have to tell you, I've watched a little bit of it. And um, I have a different perspective on it, I think. I, I don't I haven't fully formed it yet. But, you know, when people react so much and so knee jerk in a way of like, you know, she sold herself out and she's playing the slut and the media. And I get all that. I mean, I'm going to have Jen Posner on, I think next week, and she's a media in women thing, or maybe two weeks. Uh, we'll talk, I, we will definitely talk about it then. And I'm sure she has a fascinating perspective. But there's this other perspective, too, which is, you know, we don't have um, rituals for adolescence in our culture, like most cultures do, where you go from being a 
girl to a woman, a boy to a man. And we don't have a way to internalize this transition. And people like Miley Cyrus and Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and all of these kind of Disney girls, uh, and we know Disney, it's all false, false good girl. It's a, you know, it's a bunch of bullshit there, you know, corporate selling out these children to make so much money. There's no innocence going on. Um, but there's no way for those girls to transition quietly and in private. They must transition on a stage. It's what they were born to do. It's who they are. And so we watched her choices. Probably not the best choice. Definitely not the most elegant choice or the most graceful choice. But damn it, she was declaring something about her sexuality on some level. She is a woman. She is fuckable now. That's the way it is. And uh, so a part of me takes my hat off to her to say, good girl, you know, good for you. Now, the whole Robin Thicke song, I don't know this song, and I guess it's about how it's kind of like the the gray area of date rape or something, which that's fucked up if that's true. And I'm sorry she made that choice. But hey, I was making really bad choices at 18 also. I was living with a man who was 11 years older than me, who was a car mechanic at a Chevron station who was also a cocaine dealer and was on probation for a federal weapons charge for designing and manufacturing silencers for AR-15s. And he was married and had a toddler. That was my choice at 18. I would guess probably a little worse than twerking on the VMAs. I don't know, but I think it was. (laughs) We make bad choices as young women. I wish it wasn't so. But, uh, we also learn. We learn from our bad choices. Um, th- that's what we do. And uh, and we have to kind of break out. We have to break the rules. We have to be rebellious in some way. And uh, I don't know if Miley Cyrus picked all of that and picked the costume. And the, I mean, I don't know how much control, creative control she has, but she said yes to a lot of it. So, So yes, part of it is horrid, disgusting that young girls have to shake their ass like that. And that's the example of what we have. And she had a foam finger was doing things with it, I guess. I don't know. Um, but at the same time, you know what? She's a sexual being. And, uh, you know, we've got so many issues with sexuality in this fucking culture. We're so twisted. We're so backed up around it. We don't have any way of loving our bodies and just being okay with it. Uh, that this is, this is how it manifests, you know? So that's my take on it. I'm sure it's a bunch of bullshit and you're probably all tweet me and tell me I'm full of shit, but Let's talk. I'm willing to step into the fire with you around this conversation and own some of it. And then, of course, there's the other big story, which I noticed today. I think it was today. Yes, I might have seen it yesterday, which is this Montana judge who uh, has allowed this man who was accused of uh, felony rape because whether, you know, he said the girl was consenting at age 14. He was her teacher, by the way. 40-year-old teacher had sex... uh, with this 14-year-old girl multiple times. And uh, so he got caught. And I guess he, it was, I don't know the story of exactly what their sex life was like, or if he coerced her or what it was. But, you know, the judge said that she was uh, an equal partner in it. And um, 
that, you know, he had, he had already had some days in jail. So he just gave him 30 days. That's all he's getting. And then the girl, this all happened when she was 14, 15. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. Uh, she at age 17 committed suicide because of the trauma of all of this. So the teacher's gone free to, um, go have sex with more young girls. And, uh, you know, yeah, at 14, you are, uh, your body technically can have sex, but once again, we're not making good decisions at 14. No, at 14, I started, you know, experimenting with quaaludes and smoking pot 24 hours a day, smoking cigarettes, all sorts of fun things. Uh, so yeah, it's just, boy, we just don't know what we're doing when it comes to this stuff. It's, uh, you know, we have to have big conversations with this in this country. We don't like though having those big conversations. We just like throwing shit at each other back and forth and then distracting ourselves watching television all day. It's way easier than having big, important conversations and sitting down with each other. You know, because like even yesterday with uh, Obama at the Lincoln Memorial, and I listened to the speech and on some levels, it was extremely uh, inspiring. It's very inspiring that 50 years later, there's a black president. I mean, that's fucking amazing. That really is cool. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot not talked about in that speech and glossed over. And, uh, but you know, that's the way Washington is. It's all mainstream. It's all, it's all pretty. And he's, you know, he's a great speaker and he's got a great speech writer and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, the big deep conversations. We tend to back away from them a little bit. We do. And, uh, I mean, you know, I don't even want to contemplate the notion that we're going to war with another country in the Middle East. I just can't even. I'm, I, they say Obama's backing away from that now, and I really hope so. But then Andy Kindler made this great point on Twitter. He said, you know, uh, some, it was something about Hitler, something like, um, yeah, think, uh, you know, we shouldn't have used bombs. We should have just tried to reason with Hitler, you know? And I was like, oh, touche, dude. Like you made the point. Like, yeah, we had to kill the motherfucker. We had to fucking go to war for that. And there, maybe there are some things we do need to go to war for, but someone else made a great point too, which is why are chemical weapons killing people with chemical weapons so much worse than all the other ways the Syrians were dying? There were already people dying without chemical weapons. So why is that the line? You know, what, what makes, what is, what have we decided about the meaning of chemical weapons that makes it horrific? Um, you know, us lefty progressives, we think about these, us peaceniks, we think about these things because, you know, we would all love for it to just be a big circle. We were all wearing flowers in our hair and had taken some sort of mind expanding drugs. And um, Jimi Hendrix is on stage and um, everyone's being fed because we're all feeding each other lentils. We're eating lentils. It's hippies. There's a lot of farting after lentils. Have you, you noticed that? There must have been a lot of farting at Woodstock. Communes. I'm guessing the gas level at communes is big, big. Lentils are cheap. Good protein. Make you fart. If you ever go on a Buddhist retreat, I'm telling you, it can be really dangerous. But you know, at least on a Buddhist retreat, when you fart, you're doing it mindfully. <laughs> This is what happens when nobody calls in. This is where I go, people. Are you, you handling this? Okay, good. I'm so glad you're handling this. Uh, we have two minutes to talk to someone. If someone wants to call in, 323-473-3112. And if not, I'm fine with that too. Not taking it personally. Um, Logan, 
what's up? Well, first of all, you were in New York. I was in New York. And you with Taylor Negrum were in New York and uh, you did a bunch of shows. Did a bunch of shows. We played at the Mabel Mercer Foundation's Tribute to the Blue Angel in like the middle of high, uh, serious cabaret jazz singers. And we, we, we were the novelty act. Wow. Yes. That is cool. It was an incredible experience. Um, and yeah, go ahead. And yeah, and I, I, I took my walk up 121st in Morningside, the 400 uh, block. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know which building to look for. The Miami. It the says Miami. Miami. Okay. Yeah. I, it's 519. 519. Yeah, and it says actual Miami on it. Yeah. Is it the one that's got fallout shelter on the side? It, it might. It, it just might. might. Yeah. No, I saw there was a man smoking a cigarette on the stoop. Ah. And I said, excuse me, do you know which building George Carlin grew up in? He said, what did you say? <laughs> I said, do you know which building George Carlin grew up in? He goes, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> George Carlin grew up here? He's my hero. Oh, I saw him on Zeitgeist. <laughs> oh, my God, that's I, amazing. We just had Peter Joseph on the show. And so I, I, uh, I just said, Google Waking from the American Dream. We're on every Thursday. <laughs> Welcome, man from the stoop smoking a cigarette from Zeitgeist. Oh, my God. That is a great story. I just saw him on Zeitgeist. I love that. Like, that's how we found my dad. And so his Zeitgeist hero lives on his the block that he was smoking. His. Oh, yes. awesome. Awesome. That's another thing we may do while, while I'm in New York is that uh, street sign thing may be approved by then. And we're going to do something about it. Even if we don't have the actual sign, we're going to get together and smoke a joint on the corner or something like that. Damn it. Uh, that's a great story. That's hysterical, Logan. That's, did you see that? Did you go to the question mark? Did you go all the way to Riverside Drive? I went all the way, but I did, which question mark? It's uh, it's like it, like a hundred and you guys, New Yorkers, help me out there. I think it's like a hundred and eleventh or hundred and eighteenth. It's down a few, but if you're on Riverside Drive, it's where it ends. That kind of walking part of Riverside Drive, and the end of it literally is a backwards question mark. It's like a you know a great wall there, and that's where my dad first got high when he was a little kid oh yeah 14 also just want to mention that my dad was also 14 when he started smoking pot yeah 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 i didn't lick it off the rocks yeah i just got it you know directly uh and are you uh taylor's coming into town in september taylor's coming into town we uh we're we're working on an album wow cool yeah five years of work uh, through you know three different titles of various one-man shows yeah and uh we're we're constructing an album we've got uh musicians in several time zones contributing (laughs) awesome it's a global it's a global thing it's a global thing uh and uh and we're doing some shows where we'll be at on cabaret uh i think for a few a few of the shows in september oh good um, because taylor's one of the original uncabareters yes yes and uh, uh, Andrew Goldenhirsch will be there on the 15th, I believe. That'll oh. be his debut. You cannot miss him. Yes. If you're in L.A. and can make it to Uncabaret on the 15th, uh, Andrew Goldenhirsch is uh, one of the most amazing close-up magicians I've ever met. I met him at a dining uh, – at a restaurant sitting at a dinner table, and he uh, completely made my head explode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I met him at the George Carlin birthday show at the uh, Comedy Magic Club. Yes, when he um, did something with chickens and a straight jacket. Oh, don't ruin it, though. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and uh, cool. So you guys are going to be around hanging out. And uh, yes. I can't wait to see Taylor because uh, 
he said something about my show uh, straight into camera to me. Uh, he said my show's very deep in that I probably my Carlin Home Companion, and I don't, I probably don't even know how deep it is, and that I should probably see it. And it really, as Taylor does, he fucking just gets me every time. So uh, you can tell Taylor when you talk to him this week that I'm probably going to watch it, my show for the first time because he told me to. Great. <sighs> I will have to have lots of alcohol. No, I'm just kidding. I will, I will, I will walk through that fire. I will face it and watch my show. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank my callers, Angel and Victoria and Alex for calling in and having great conversation again. I'm always blown away by people who I know and don't know who call into the show. And I hope next time we have a call-in show, even if you feel like the slightest urge to uh, to call in, uh, please do. Because even though you may be nervous or shy or uh, something went weird there, um, that uh, you have something to say. I just know you do. And uh, we're going to end the show here with a little song, a little song I turned Logan on to today. Uh, and so, but first I want to thank Logan. Thank you again for coming down and doing this and all that you do for me and help me out. Oh, you guys, it's Logan's fucking birthday. So we'll sing happy birthday in a few minutes later. Uh, it's Logan's birthday. Uh, follow Logan on Twitter, Logan Heftel. Follow me, Kelly underscore Carlin. Find me on Facebook. It's the official. It's Kelly Carlin official. I will not friend you. I'm sorry. I love you, but my personal page is my personal page. Come over and hang out on my other page. I do everything there anyway. And uh, download us on iTunes here if you're not already doing that. Subscribe. Oh, and would you do me a favor? I just changed the category from comedy to culture and society because really people... Yes, we know. That's really what we talk about here. So if you would rate my show, write a little sentence, a review, something, but get some activity going in the rate and reviews thing. So maybe I can get up the list a little bit on the culture and society thing. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's fucking beat NPR, man. Let's fucking do it. We can fucking do it, people. And uh, of course, I want to thank everyone at Smodcast, Kevin Smith, who also gave me a rave review on my Carlin Home Companion. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Will Wilkins, for putting this thing up doing the iTunes thing, making it magic. And uh, and here we go. We're going to go out with a little ditty you may know uh, by a gentleman named Billy Stewart. Uh, I do hope you enjoy. La, la. Like a, like a, like a, yo.
Fall off from your eye. 